0: Visit OpenBibleNJ.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Would you guys welcome Pastor Kurt as he comes to speak with us tonight?
1: Thank you. Well, what a wonderful opportunity to be back tonight. You came back. Thank you. I'm honored by that. I am. And uh, as a preacher, sometimes I wonder if anyone will ever come back again to hear me again and and uh, it, by the way, it does, it does, uh, does my heart good to see a church full on a, on a Sunday night like this. And, uh, that's a wonderful thing. And, and to, uh, to know that you knew who was preaching and you still came, that really does my heart good. And, uh, we, we are thrilled to be here and it's a privilege, uh, for my wife and I to be your guests this weekend. And thank you. Thank you for a high day of a Christmas celebration Sunday to be able to be in your church and preach. And, and, uh, we've had a, a great time here visiting. We had a great lunch this afternoon and, and enjoyed the time with the Fenton's there today. And thank you all so much for the, the laughs and the fun and the talk. And, and uh, your church family is so kind. Uh, we're used to Southern hospitality. This is South Jersey. So this is Southern hospitality going on here. And uh, y'all been so kind and talking and, and the smiles. As a preacher, I think sometimes, and I've been where you're at. I, I, now I'm standing up here. So I, I, I know both sides of this equation. Sometimes we... Uh, we, we don't think about what we look like when we're looking or listening to someone, and uh, y- y'all, y'all put smiles on your face, and you interact, and I appreciate that. That helps me a whole lot. Uh, it helps me to know that there's a, there's a joy in there and a, a happiness, and, and what's being said sinks in just a little bit, and so uh, I didn't have my wife stand this morning. My wife, Christy, would you stand for just a moment? We've been married for 20 almost 28 years now, and uh, having the time of our life, uh, January 1st is our anniversary, so we'll celebrate right around the corner here. And uh, and we God's been so good to us. And, and uh, some of you had commented on the message this morning. I tell you, my wife wrote my messages. Oh, by the way, she was 12 when I married her, in case you're trying to do the math in your brain. And uh, that that's legal in Tennessee. Some of y'all are laughing. That is legal in Tennessee. Uh, I'm just kidding. I know you're thinking, get on to the preaching, Copeland. Get on to the preaching. And uh, we're... We're going to go to Daniel chapter 3 this evening, Daniel chapter number 3. It is a different message than what I felt. I've I've got two new messages here in my Bible, and this is not the one I thought I was supposed to preach today, and God changed that. So we're going to hit Daniel 3 here this evening. As you turn there, the Lord's allowed me to write a couple books, and uh, I jokingly say, I've got the book, you provide your own coloring crayons, but... uh, but uh, the, the first book I was able to write is, is this book here. It's, it's entitled, Not Just Your Mommy and Daddy's Religion. I served as a youth pastor for 28 years, and uh, 26 years in the same church, nearly 26 years. And uh, I have a passion and a burden for teenagers. Uh, many teenagers have no idea what they believe. Truth is, uh, most adults, the average adult in a church doesn't really know what they believe, or at least why they believe it. I was, I was raised in a generation where uh, if you asked a question, you were questioning authority, and you got in trouble for asking the question. Uh, I remember we were sitting at, a, at, at the Bill Rice Ranch. I worked out at the Bill Rice Ranch as a teenager, and, and one guy raised his hand. We were having a meeting, and one teenager raised his hand and said, Papa D was the guy who we, we called Dickerson, Papa Dickerson, Kermit Dickerson was his name. We called him Papa D. And he raised his hand and said, Papa D, I have a question. He said, I don't mean this disrespectfully. And Papa D responded. He was a gruff. He was a Marine. He was a gruff man. He said, son, if you have to say I don't mean any disrespect, that means disrespect. So don't even ask the, the, the question. I don't want to hear it. And we were like, no. Nah. So I learned, I don't, I'm not going to ask any questions. I'd ask a question to my parents, and sometimes they get backhanded. And, uh, you know, don't know, you know, or if you, if you question them, you get in trouble. Uh, and, and because I was raised in that generation, I didn't ask a lot of questions. Uh, but I'm, I'm thankful to say that I've done some studying and done some work on why the, the title is not just mommy and daddy's religion, why I'm a Baptist, and it's for teens. It's written to teenagers, um, but what I found is this book is valuable for adults, too. Uh, it goes through the fundamentals of the faith in the introduction, what we believe are the fundamentals of the faith, the, the the vicarious suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross, the virgin birth of Christ, the, the visible return of Christ, the, the, the inspiration, the verbal inspiration of the scriptures, and, and the, the fundamentals of the faith. But then it goes into the Baptist distinctives. Uh, why, why do we baptize like this? Uh, why do we use the Bible we use? Those sorts of things. And th- just a valuable tool. I brought some of those. My wife will have those afterwards out back. If, you, if you'd like to get a copy, you're welcome to one. If you, They're 10 bucks, If you don't have the money, we'll give you one, honestly uh, we, we want you to have the information, the material. It's just positive. We use it for family devotions. Uh, we used it in youth ministry studies back at the church I was at and, and, uh, just wanted our young people to know what they believed and why. And a valuable tool, valuable tool. Daniel chapter number three, Daniel chapter number three. We'll look at this passage of scripture for just a few moments here this evening. And, uh, we, uh, we, we kind of live in a, uh, uh, this Christmas time. We live in a society where things really aren't going the way we want them to go. I, I, and I, I think we could all agree with that. If we were to map out future of America, we would probably change some things right now to help it go the right direction. Um, and, and really, sometimes if, if you want to get depressed, turn on the news. Watch the news and, and you won't be long and you'll be depressed. You'll be thinking, by the way, if you're a teenager in the room, you're thinking only old people watch the news. At least that's what my daughters tell me because and, uh, and, I watch the news. But if you want to get a dose of, of just depression, just focus on the news for a couple of weeks and you'll just be ready to say, forget this mess, man. There's no hope. Our society's all messed up. And, and, uh, and then we come into a Christmas time like this. And, and sometimes what I've noticed is, Christmas time is an exciting time. It's a special time. It's a sweet time. But for some people, it's not so sweet. For some people, it's a heartache time. It's a hurtful time. It's a time you feel like you're all alone. Do you know what I know about a group, a large group of people gathered on a Sunday night and in church? You know what I know is true about some of us in this auditorium this evening? Some of you in this auditorium, you feel as alone as you ever felt in your life. Uh, some of you feel like Alexander in the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. You know, it's uh, no one likes me. Everyone hates me. I think I'll eat some worms. You know, and, and life is just the Eeyore. Woe is me. I don't know what to do. You know, and, and, and I'm not saying that sarcastically. Some people are just lonely. Uh, some of you in the room, you've, you've buried a spouse. You've buried a family member. And the hurt's there. And you're coming up to what most people would say is the most wonderful time of the year. And for you, it's not necessarily the most wonderful time of the year because it's a lonely time. You you ever felt alone? Really? By the way, it's not going to be a downer message. I know right now it probably feels like, good night. This is like a funeral dirge right now. You ever felt alone? You you ever felt like there was no one there for you? I, I grew up with three older brothers. I was the punching bag. Uh, and and some of y'all are the youngest you know by the way let me just ask you how many y'all you're the oldest in your family you're the oldest go ahead and vote if you're the oldest in your family raise it up there good and high that means you're the you're the know-it-all you like to tell everyone else what to do mom and dad now you're putting your hands down real quick (laughs) you 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 know you were in charge mom and dad weren't there and whoo I'm in charge how how many y'all you're the youngest in the family you're the youngest and you got blamed for everything and everyone said you were spoiled rotten and it's not true and uh, amen. I know that. I'm the youngest in my family. How many of y'all, you're the middle child? You're the middle child in the family. You may be an adult, but you're the middle one. In the, and your parents didn't even know your name. You were the forgotten one in the midst of everything. And uh, that, that, that's true. Uh, I was the youngest. My brothers, I was the punching bag. I was the one blamed for everything. My, I'll see my brothers later this week, and they will all say the same thing, that I am spoiled rotten. That's what they'll say. It's not true. I'm, I'm just here to say it's not true. At least I'm going to stick to that story. You ever felt alone, though? You may have a big family, and you feel alone. I remember my, I told you this morning, my parents owned a roller skating I remember we went to this church. Uh, my, my family didn't go, but I rode with the pastor to go to church. And this was, a, a, I think it was a Sunday night. And uh, I, I went to church there at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Mattoon, Illinois. And I, I enjoyed the service that Wednesday night and, or Sunday night. And, and the pastor was dropping me back off at the house on his way back to his house. And so he pulled in the Rhythm and Roll Skate Center and he, he let me out of the car, and said, Kurt, we'll see you on Sunday. And, and he drove off, he and his family drove off. And I walked past, we had two Doberman Pinscher watchdogs. And I w- opened the gate, walked in the gate of that, that uh, backyard at the, at the roller skating rink. Our house was part of the building. And, and, and I walked past these Doberman Pinschers, pushed them out of the way, you know, wrestled with them for a second. And I went to the back door and I opened the back sc- uh, screen door, the storm door. And I reached for the, the big wooden door and the handle of that big wooden door and I turned the handle and it was locked. And, and I was probably nine years old, maybe. And, and I remember standing there at the back door and I was like, "All right, guys, this isn't funny. Y'all are playing a joke on me, and I don't like this. This isn't." It was dark outside, and it was it was just me, no lights on anywhere, and and I'm out in the middle of this farmland area where this roller skating rink was, and. And no one there, all the lights are off, and I started pounding on the door. Mom, open the door, Mom. Mom, this isn't funny anymore. Open the door. I know you guys are just playing a joke, and no one came to the door. And it seemed like hours. I I was standing there, and I I know you're thinking, that's so silly. I I was so scared that night. I, I literally, Dogeman Pinchers, no one was going to mess with me. I had two Dogeman Pinchers right there beside me. But I was scared to death. The boogeyman lived out there, you know? And I remember I was so scared, I turned my feet outwards. And I stood between the big wooden door and the storm door. And I pulled that storm door shut. And I was pinned between the two doors so that no one would see me. And I, st- I, I literally st- uh, stood there in between those two doors crying. Yelling, Mom! Open the door, Mom! I'm scared. You ever felt in scenarios different? By the way, if that's the same scenario for you, that there's something weird going on. But you ever been there? You ever been at a point in your life where you were so you felt like you were so alone and scared, wondering what you're going to do next? Can I tell you, you're never alone. The Bible says, I I quoted the verse this morning, Hebrews 13, 5. The Bible says, He will never leave you nor forsake you. You're never alone. We go to Daniel chapter number 3 in the Word of God here this evening. I want you to see this. I I love this passage of Scripture. I love how God lays this out. And I want you to see it with me here for just a few moments. So if this may not be the most wonderful time of the year for you, I want to encourage you tonight. Maybe you'll be around all sorts of family and friends. I want to encourage you as well. You're not alone. Look at Daniel chapter number three, starting in verse number nine. The word of God says this. Then spake and said the king Nebuchadnezzar. O king, then spake and said to king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Let me give you the background before we just we're picking up right in the middle of the story. The wise men went to the king Nebuchadnezzar and they, they puffed him up. They said, oh, king, you're the greatest. We ought to make a statue for you, and you ought to make a decree that everyone bows and worships the statue of you. You're the king. Oh, king, live forever. And the king said, hey, I kind of like that. Let's do that. And they made a law that everybody, when they heard the music, would bow and worship this golden statue, this image, this image of the king. And if they didn't do it, they'd be thrown into the fiery furnace because they knew there was a leader there was a young man named Daniel who said he would never bow and worship anybody but Jehovah God. And they knew that, so they were trying to set up Daniel. And you can study that in the previous parts of these passages in Daniel. But in Daniel chapter number 3, now these wise men come back to the king. And they say to the king, hey king, you made a decree. Live forever, O king, but remember what you promised. And he says in verse number 10, Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man shall ha- that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worship, that he should be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. By the way, that was law. Everybody knew that was law. It was a decree. It was a a decree that the king had set out, and they had to abide by it. Verse 12. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. And he names these three Hebrew young men. Daniel's not mentioned in this particular passage, but he mentions these three young men Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they then brought brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made? Well, but if not, listen, he's given them that ultimatum, but if not, But but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We are not careful to answer you in this matter. We're not worried. We're not nervous to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men, which were bound in, the, were bound in their coats and their hosen and their hats and their other garments, were cast into the, the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, And the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men which took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished, astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said to his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I read this passage of Scripture, and if you're you're not careful tonight, you've heard this story since the time you were a child in, in children's church. Now, I remember going to children's church, riding that bus, going to church, and I remember seeing the flannel graph boards. You, you remember the flannel graph before we had all this dig, digital technology, and, and those, those, those papers would stick to the, the, the board, and, and the teacher would do those little I, I remember watching this, the teacher tell the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the big old flames coming up out of that fiery furnace, and, and the, four, the three Hebrew boys in that furnace and a, the, the form of a fourth, fourth person, the Son of God in the fire with them. You know what, I, you know what I, I find out about this passage of Scripture that is true for us in 2021? Hey, hey don't miss this. I, I wrote down in my notes, number one, I wrote this. The attack of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, number one in this passage of Scripture. Can I tell you what takes place in these, these three Hebrew boys' lives? They have an enemy, and the enemy's name is Satan. If you're not careful, you'll say the enemy's name was Nebuchadnezzar. Wouldn't you? I mean, in the passage, it was Nebuchadnezzar whose countenance changed, whose, whose anger was so great towards these three Hebrew boys. But can I tell you the honest truth of the matter is this? The enemy was not Nebuchadnezzar. The enemy in these guys' life was Satan, Hey, can I tell you the same thing's true in our lives in 2021. Every person, under the sound of my voice, whether in this auditorium or joining us online, every person, we all have the same enemy in life, and his name is Satan, and he absolutely hates you. He hates me. And he wants nothing better than to destroy your life and destroy my life. He wants nothing better than to see the doors of uh, uh, of this great church shut. He he wants to see your marriage fail. He wants to see your kids shut Christ out of their life altogether. And he's going to work absolutely overtime to destroy you, your home, your church, this state, our country, and he's doing a pretty good job at it, isn't he? We're in a battle. But this isn't just game time. We we call it Christianity, but it's not game time. We are in a war. My brother joined the Marines years and years ago, right out of high school. Corey. And I remember he called me uh, when he was at Paris Island. He he, he was a grunt. He, he, I called him a jarhead, and he said thank you. He loved that compliment. I, I remember he came home from the Marines, and, and and when he came home, he he started telling me some stories about what he what he went through in basic and then it, over in Iraq and, and he was telling me some of those stories and he, he said in basic training he, he stood out in formation on, uh, on Paris Island and, and standing there the, the sand fleas were biting him and if they moved they'd get in trouble by the drill instructor and so literally you'd see blood running down their arms where they're getting bit by, I, I, I couldn't even imagine. He said, you know what? There was no joking around in there. It was, it was, when the drill instructor was there, it was on, like Donkey Kong. I mean, there's no messing around. There there was no joking around. It was, it, it was preparing for battle. Hey, can I tell you, in, in our Christian life, we are in a battle. We have an enemy. Hey, mom, it's worth it to fight against that enemy for the sake of your children, Dad, it's worth it to keep your family in church, to fight against that enemy, Satan, who hates your family. The Bible says this, be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the word adversary means enemy. For your adversary, the devil, as a cute little kitty cat, purrs up right against your leg. That's not what the Bible says, is it? on, help me out. Is that what the Bible says? No, he's not a little pet. He's not your friend. He hates you. He's your enemy. If you don't get anything else out of this message tonight, understand you are in a battle. And your enemy is Satan, and he absolutely hates you. And the same thing was true with these three Hebrew children. Here the king made a decree and said, Everybody bow and worship. Everybody do this or else these three Hebrew, Hebrew boys said this. They said, no way, Jose. They, they didn't know Spanish. No, no way. We're not, we're not going to bow and worship this false image. Our God said, make no graven image. Don't worship anything else. And they're going to obey God. Hey, can I tell you, we have the same command. Our command is to obey God. You're in a battle you're in a battle for your home. You're in a battle for your church. You're in a battle for your life. You're in a battle for your country, and our battle is against Satan. Hey, can I can I remind you that over and over again tonight? Our enemy is Satan. Your enemy is not that coworker who offended you. Hey, teenager, your enemy <clears throat> your enemy is not mom and dad, although sometimes it may seem like it. Hey, hey, parent, your enemy is not your child. It's not, your, it's not your, your family member who told you off. That's not your enemy. We are in spiritual warfare. You're in a battle against Satan. I see in this passage of Scripture. By the way, can I get you to look at another passage? I, I promised myself I wouldn't be long tonight. I went a little over this morning. I'll, I'll be good on time here tonight. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. Almost all the way to the end of the, of the uh, New Testament. First Peter chapter number four. If you get to first, second, third John, you're a little too far. Go back to the left just a little bit. First Peter chapter number four. Look at verse number twelve. First Peter chapter four, verse twelve. This really brings it life. First Peter four twelve. The Bible says this, beloved. So if he says, beloved, do you think he's talking to the lost or the saved? Help me out, class. You're smart. I'm I'm not real bright. So you guys, is he talking to the lost or the saved? Saved people. He's talking to our church. He's talking to Christians. He says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. That's encouraging, isn't it? Hey, don't be shocked when trials happen in your life. Don't be shocked when a family member tells you off because you're in church on a Sunday night. Hey, don't be shocked when your boss makes fun of you because you, you believe in Jesus. Don't be surprised when the world turns their back against you. That's what he says. It's not strange that the world would attack you. Hey, teenager, when you go to school and you you take a stand for Christ, don't be shocked when a teacher or or peers mock you or make fun of you. Don't be shocked by that. Think it not strange. He says in verse number 13, But rejoice. (laughs) That's tough. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God rested upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of. But on your part, he is glorified. You you go all the way down through verse number 19. I I love what what we learn in 1 Peter. Peter says this, hey, don't think it's weird that you face trial. Don't think, think it's weird that you're under attack. That is what Satan does. He hates you. Boy, this is real encouraging tonight, isn't it? Hold on, we're getting there. Number two, I see number one, the attack of the world, flesh, and the devil. But I see number two, the stand of the Christian. Boy, I love this. I haven't been a youth pastor all my life, based on all my ministry. I love it when a teenager says, you know what, I'm gonna do what's right no matter what anyone else does. Hey, I, I'm, I'm gonna do what I know is right no matter what anyone else does. I'm going to take a stand for Christ no matter what. And we find three young men, verses 16 through 18 here in, this, in our text in Daniel chapter number 3. Three young men who said, you know what? It doesn't matter if everyone else bows and worships. It doesn't matter what everyone else says in, in our society. I will do what's right. Boy, that's refreshing, isn't it? When someone has the fortitude to say, I will live for God no matter what. Boy, parents, isn't that what you want from your young people? Well, that's, that's what we desire from our children. That's what we desire from our leadership. That's what we desire from people around us. Hey, can I tell you, the Bible's not written just for, for our children in our home. It's not just written for leadership. It's written for every one of us. And here in this passage of Scripture, these three Hebrew boys said, you know what? No matter what everyone else in society does, I will stand for Christ. You say, well, you're getting a little heated under the collar. Oh, no, I'm just passionate. Because you know what we're lacking in America? In our churches in America? People who are willing to stand for Christ. People who are willing to say, hey, no, the Bible says this, therefore that's what we're going to do. No matter what tradition says, no matter what everyone else says, no matter what family makes fun of me for, I want to stand for Jesus Christ. And these three Hebrew boys, they knew, they knew if they didn't bow and worship that, they were going to, Face certain death. I wonder in our society, are there any, is there anybody honestly in our society who would say, I'll, I'll give it all for Christ. No matter what someone says to me, no matter what someone does to me, no matter what the perception of people around me, what their perception of me is, I will live for Christ. Hey, we call ourselves Christians, right? Help me, is that right? We call ourselves Christians. You know what Christian means? Literally means little Christs. Some people call it Christ followers. That'd be an okay definition of Christian. Little Christ. I, I get the privilege of representing Jesus Christ. Whoo, that's a high calling. That's a wonderful thing. But you know what sometimes we do? We say in church on Sunday, we'll say, oh, I represent Christ. And on Monday when we get to work, I I know I'm I'm meddling now. I'm I'm into your personal business. I'm sorry. But on Monday at work, we're like, oh, you know, that's good. That's good for Sunday. But, you know, this is the real life. Here's three young men who said, you know what? Sunday I'm going to live for God. Monday I'm going to live for God. Tuesday I'm going to live for God. Hey, Wednesday I'm going to live for God. Thursday I'm going to live for God. Friday, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. Give me Saturday too. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ no matter. The stand of the Christian. Hey, can I ask you today, where's the young man? Where's the young lady? Where's the senior citizen? Where's the folks right here in this great church who say, you know what? I'm going to stand for Christ. I'm going to live for Christ. That's what these guys did. I see number one, the attack of Satan. By the way, it's not easy to stand. I remember, I remember uh, in, in college going out on the soccer field and playing soccer and, and uh, having a great old time playing soccer. I was a freshman, and we had guys on our soccer team who were seniors and, and, and talented, unbelievably talented, unbelievably talented. I remember we were going down the field and playing soccer. I played fullback. My best, my best friend and I, we were, he was stopper, and I was sweeper. And, and the, 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 the real talented guys were always the strikers, the, the front line, the forwards. And they come down, one of these guys came down, he was a senior, and he came down dribbling that soccer ball through all of us. And, and, uh, and he got through my, my best friend, and he came back to me. I was the last line of defense before the goalie. And, 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 and I was just taught, they get to me, take them out. You know, hurt them if you have to, but don't let them score. And so I, I did a clean, clean slide tackle. But Tyler, I, it was Like South Haven, Franklin Road, I, just a clean slide tackle, took him out. And, uh, and, and, and when the guy, when I took him out, I, I kind of hurt him a little bit. I wasn't, wasn't embarrassed about that. I was kind of happy about that. But, but uh, when he started getting up, he cussed at me. And I, 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 it took me back. I'm a, freshman, I'm a freshman. He's a senior. Do you say something? Do, do you take a stand? Can I tell you, it's real easy to talk about standing for Christ until you have to do it. And I remember I looked at my best friend, the guys going back up the field, we cleared the ball out, and then it was going the other way, and I looked at my best friend, and I said, John, number, and I called his number, I said, number five, he's got a potty mouth. And he said, okay, we got this. Next time down the field, here he came again, and I'm telling you, he's an incredible soccer player, dribbling through everyone, down there, my best friend took him out, boom, down he goes, and he cussed him. He's like, all right, it's on now. Matter of fact, he got up and my best friend said to him, hey, buddy, we're Christians. We don't talk like that. And he shoved my best friend and said, I'll talk any way I want. What are you going to do about it? Took off back down the field. Came down the next time. Down he goes again it was just like war. We're just taking him out over and over again. Hey, can I tell you I ran into that guy? It's been about 15 years ago now. but I ran into him, an adult running his own business, doing his own thing. And he came up to us and he said, said to me, He said, Hey, I remember that soccer field that day. Do you remember that? I was kind of like, Yeah, I remember. <laughs> and he said this, he said, Thank you for taking a stand. Thank you for caring enough to help me. Hey, can I tell you, it's a small example? But tomorrow at work, Satan's going to attack. Hey, young person, tomorrow well, not, not in school probably, probably Christmas break now or whatever. But next time you get back to school, guess what? Satan's going to attack. Hey, ma'am, Satan's going to attack in the home too. Every day he's going to attack. Are you going to stand for what's right or are you going to cowtail to Satan? You're going to let him win. Number one, we see the attack of the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Number two, the stand of the Christian. Number three, I see the fire of persecution. And, and I'll hasten through these. The fire of persecution. Hold on. Verses 19 through 23, that fiery furnace. I was always intrigued by this fiery furnace. I'm intrigued by the fact that these three Hebrew boys were thrown into the fire, and the people who threw them in died, but the three Hebrew boys, they were okay. And then I'm intrigued by, here's the king, he gets over close to the fire, and he can see into the fire, but he's not hurt. I I I don't understand all the layout of all this, but I do see this. There's a fourth man in that fire. But that doesn't stop the persecution that came. Hey, can I tell you, I'm thankful I live in America. I'm thankful I live in America. I'm not worried about soldiers coming through the back doors of the church tonight. I'm thankful that I can carry the Word of God and not worry about someone coming in and taking, destroying my house to take all my copies of. I'm thankful I live in America. I'm thankful that I'm not worried about being thrown in jail for proclaiming, thus saith the Lord. I'm thankful that I live in America. But can I tell you, we still suffer some persecution. Our persecution may not be being beat. It may not be being thrown in jail. I remember my mom and dad teaching me this whole saying, maybe you've heard it, maybe you can help me say it. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Do you know that's a lie? Words do too hurt. They, they really do. If I were to walk out of the service tonight and you stop me at the back door, and some of you might do this now on purpose, but if I were to walk out there and you say, that was the worst message I've ever heard in my life. I would say I am so sorry. I'll do better next time. Please forgive me. I'm that's that would be my response. But ask my wife when I get back to the house tonight. Guess I'll be like, man, I can't believe that. That was horrible. Oh man, I might as well hang it up. I might as well why? Because words hurt. By the way, husband, when your wife looks at you and she says, "Does this outfit make me look fat?" Don't answer. Don't say, "Huh?" I'm sorry. I can't hear you. Whatever it takes don't there is no right answer to that question. Why? Cuz words hurt. Words hurt. Words hurt. Hey, can I tell you if someone says something to you about your religion, it hurts. It hurts. Well, yeah, if you didn't give your money to the church, you could have a new house. You could drive a different car. You're right. You're right. Persecution, that fire of persecution. I don't know what persecution you're facing uh, in, in your life today. It may be family members who mock you because you're in church. It, it, it may be that, that uh, employers uh, criticize you because you say you're a cr- I, I don't know what persecution you face, but we all have this fire of persecution that we go through. So I see that fire of persecution, but I see number four and I love this. I'll stop with number four. I had five points, I'll just give you four. I, I see number four. The friend, capital F-R-I-E-N-D. The capital friend in the fire. Hey, the Bible says that when the king Nebuchadnezzar looked down into that fiery furnace, he said, whoa, whoa, boys, hold up. Look, look down in that fire. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't know for sure, but I, I think we threw three in that fire, didn't we? He's confirming it with all of his buddies. Hey, didn't we throw three in the fire? Yeah, we threw, th- then, then why are there four? Why, why are there four people in that fire? And then, I don't know how he knew this either, but then he says, and the fourth is like the son of God. How he knew that, I don't know. Hey, could I tell you this? The same God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served some 4,000 years ago, That same God that they serve is the same God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God that I got on my knees to and prayed to today. He's the same God that you open His Word and you spend time with We serve the same God. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what trial in life there is in your life, but I know this. You're not alone. You can make it through the persecution. You can make it through the temptation. You can make it through the trial. I can't answer all the questions of the wise. I don't know why the bad doctor's reports come in. I don't know why. I don't have an answer for that. I don't know why family turns their back on you. I don't know why. I don't know why death comes calling in your household. I don't know. I don't understand. But I know this you're not alone. You're not alone. You may leave tonight, and and, and I'm not trying to emotionalize anything. You may leave tonight, you may get in a car by yourself, you may drive to a house tonight, you may walk in the door alone, you may turn on the light alone, you may crawl into bed tonight alone, and you may feel like no one in this world cares. I'm here to tell you tonight you're not alone. You're not alone. You put your head on that pillow tonight. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He cares about every detail of your life. He cares so much, he numbered the hairs of your head. For some of you, it didn't take too long. For some of us, it took a little bit longer. But he loves you and cares about you that much. That's the God we serve. You're not alone. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know the heartache. I don't know the pain. I don't know the tears that you're shedding when no one else is watching. But I'm here tonight to tell you this He does know. It wasn't just for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's for us. And the fire you're walking through right now that may seem to be unfair or very hurtful to the point where you may want to wave wave that white flag of surrender. You may say, I quit. Hey, could I tell you? Don't quit. You're not alone. You have the king of kings. And Lord of lords, walking with you every step of the way. You ever heard the poem, Footprints in the Sand? I know it's an older, most of y'all know what I'm talking about. I love it. You know why I love it? Because it's so true in all of our lives. And the older I get, I'm, I'm almost 51. The older I get, the more I realize how true that is. You ever turn around and sometimes look back at the footprints in the sand and all you see is that one set of footprints and you want to question God. God, where have you been? God, you know the trial that's going on in my life. God, you know what's happening right now. You know the attacks that I'm facing. God, you know all the negative that's going on in my life. God, where have you been? And it's those times where God looks at you and says, my child, my precious child. Those times you've turned around and seen those one set of footprints. Those are the times I picked you up and I carried you through. Hey, folks, I don't, I don't know, I, I, I know nothing, <laughs> Colonel Klink. I, by the way, most people would say, amen, you don't know anything. But I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's going on in your life. I do know this. We all have an enemy, and he hates your guts. I don't even know if it's proper to say guts. I just did. I'm sorry. He hates you. He hates you, and he's going to attack every chance he gets in your life. But think it not strange, 1 Peter, concerning the fiery trials, which try you. You're not alone. Tonight, can I challenge you with this? It's the most, I almost started singing it, but you'd get up and you'd walk out. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Sometimes it's not because you're lonely. Hey, can I tell you tonight? You're not alone. You're not alone. Can I challenge you? And I'm done. I've already gotten the cue. I'm done. You sit here tonight. Could I encourage you? One of the best ways to not feel alone is to pour yourself into someone else's life. Can, can I explain what I mean by that? Am I okay to move around? I, I hope I'm okay. That, that means this. If, I, I, don't, I don't even know your name. I have picked on David too much today, so I'm going to skip you. What is your name? Tori. If, if I know that Tori's going through a hard time, even if I'm going through a hard time, do you know how I feel? How I release myself from my loneliness? I get my wife, and we go to Tori, And we'd do something special for Tori. You know what that does for me? It makes me stop looking at my pity party of what's going on in my life. It's God loving Tori through me and my wife. You feel lonely? Then don't sit at home and sulk and sour. Pour your life into someone else because sitting in this auditorium there are people here tonight who feel alone you wouldn't see it because we're professionals at putting on a show we all are you you know that argument we call them discussions. You know that discussion you had with your spouse before you came to church tonight? You know, you were in the car on the way here and you were at each other's throat. Hey, honey, watch the road. Pay attention here. Yeah, you know you're gonna kill us both. Baby. That discussion you had on the way here? I'm sorry, don't, don't throw elbows And I was not listening in on any conversation, so I don't know anything that was going on. But you know those times where you feel like you are all alone? You're not. And when you pour yourself into someone else's life, your focus is no longer on your troubles and your trials. Love others. Because sitting in this auditorium tonight is your family. Your family. So love on them. Show them the love of Christ through you. You're not alone. Tonight I wanted to be an encouragement. I don't know what you're facing. and what's going on. But I know this. You're not alone. You have a Savior who loves you. Would you take just a minute? I'm going to close in prayer. We'll be done. Would you take just a minute tonight to pray? Ask God this. You, you may be the one who's lonely. So if that's you, why, why don't you pray this first? Pray, God, God, help me not to feel lonely. Help me to understand you're with me all the time. But then change your prayer, go down a different vein, and pray something like this. God, would you show me someone who I can show the love of Christ to this Christmas? That may mean just making some cookies. I don't know. It may mean just walking by someone tonight and saying, hey, I'm praying for you. That's it. Smiling. (laughs) It's amazing what a smile does. I, I told people, I, I'm rambling now, forgive me, I'm rambling. It's my last time I get to talk to you, so I, I'm going to ramble just a, a moment longer. I, I, I do a lot of funerals back in Tennessee, in uh, the local funeral home when someone passes away and they don't have a, a preacher for that family. I, I, get, I was supposed to do one yesterday. They called me and asked me to do one yesterday. I, I told them I couldn't do it. And, uh, but they, 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 they'll call me. I, I've probably done 100, 150 funerals. I love doing funerals. I know it sounds morbid, but I love to preach a funeral. I love to come alongside someone and just encourage someone. I, I, while I'm there at the funeral home, I, I help put the dirt on the casket. I mean, it, it, it's amazing when a small funeral takes place. But, but I've asked the funeral home directors, I've, I've said this. When I die, they, they lay my body in a casket. When I'm there in that casket, I, 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 I told the, the, the embalmers, the funeral home directors, I said, would you do this for my body? Would you, would you stitch my mouth with a smile on it? When I'm laying there in a casket, I don't want people to come by and say, oh, he looks so natural. I want them to walk by and say, why is he smiling? But there's two reasons I'm smiling. Two reasons. Number one, no more pain, no more problems, no more bills, no more that. Number two, and probably the main reason I'm smiling, because I'm kicking up gold dust in heaven. I'll be be running the streets of gold, climbing the tree of life, you know, swimming in the Crystal River. You name it, I'm going to be doing it. There's probably rules against some of that stuff, but I'm going to be doing it anyway. That, that, that's heaven for me. So there's going to be a smile on my face. And I said, number two, but when, when you put me in that casket, I, I don't want my arms crossed, or my arms down my I, I want one arm up just like this. I'm laying in the casket, one arm up. And he said, why do you want an arm up? I said, because when I want people to walk by, I want them to give me a high five as they go by. He made it. He did it. He's there. Woo. You say, that's crazy. No, no. What it is, I, I want to be an encouragement to others who can you be an encouragement to? This Christmas, hey teenager, instead of worrying about what gift you're getting, you you got the new Xbox 45 or whatever it is. Or the PlayStation 97 or whatever. All these different numbers. There's there's so many of them out there. Or the new iPhone, whatever number's out there. 15, whatever, 13, whatever it is. Instead of worrying about what you're getting, how about investing your life into someone else? You don't know how much, you'll help someone else. I'm not talking about financially investing. I'm talking about loving, caring. When I pray to close, why don't you ask God to show you someone who you can invest in with just a smile, with just a word of encouragement. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you this evening. And God, I'm so thankful for your goodness. I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for Daniel chapter number 3 which really doesn't sound much like a Christmas topic message. But yet, Lord, it is so true. We're not alone. Whatever trials this dear church congregation faces, Lord, they're not alone. They've got a heavenly Father who's walking through those fires with them. God, I pray you'd encourage that Christian here tonight who's ready to quit, who's ready to throw in the towel. They're tired of the battle. They're tired of the trial. They're tired of the struggle. God, would you encourage them tonight? Would you help them to know that you're right there with them? That your grace is sufficient? That you care? Lord, that they could invest in someone else's life and encourage them. Lord, would you encourage them in a special way? Lord, would you help each one of us to find someone in our lives these next few days that we could encourage, that we could come alongside of? Maybe just a smile. Maybe it's cookies. Maybe it is a gift. Maybe, I don't know what you would lay on someone's heart. But God, would you be an encouragement to this dear church family and use them to be an encouragement to others?
0: Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store.